Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Alone at Lunch early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. You're listening to a Morbid Network podcast. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Urban Outfitters, Sephora, and Nike. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Alone at Lunch. I am Emily Walsh, and I am here with my co-host, as always, Carly Montag. How are we doing, Lunchables? We're doing the thing. <laughs> we're hanging in there. We're chit-chatting. We're vibing. This is a weird intro, but we're excited to be here. We are very excited to have the wonderful Lucas Zelnick on the podcast today. You know Lucas. You've seen him uh, at clubs all over the, uh, the city, at clubs all over the country. Uh, you've seen him on Instagram and TikTok, uh, SF Sketch Fest, New York Comedy Festival. He's got 100 million views, 400,000 followers. He is killing the game. Uh, and we had a really great conversation with him. It was such a uh, it was honestly different than ones that we've had before. And so I think this will be really a cool topics that we haven't really brought up, honestly, in the pod about uh, just, you know, money and wealth and lifestyle privilege and, and privilege. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I was I thought it was a great conversation. So we hope you enjoy as well. Get into it. Hello, Lucas. How are you? <laughs> How's it going? Thanks for having me. It is our pleasure. How's your How's your day been today? Uh, good. I wish I could tell you I did anything at all, um, but I did not. So ah, oh, the dream. Yeah, the dream. Yesterday um, was I'm in D- D.C. based, and uh, yesterday it snowed like a little bit, so the entire city freaked out. And uh, I'm I work in healthcare uh, during the day, and I had a full lineup of patients, and one by one it was like cancel, 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 cancel. And I got Amazing. I got in I got into work at seven and I was back home by eleven a.m. and that's the dream. <laughs> oh, that's really nice. Yeah, I had a show in Brooklyn last night and I uh, had therapy in the morning and I was telling my therapist that I really didn't want to go to this show. Uh, it turned out to be very fun, but I had very low expectations about how many people were going to be there, and I was just like, I really don't want to go. Maybe it'll get canceled. Like, oh my God, the weather. Maybe it'll get canceled. And my therapist had to gently just be like, it's already done snowing. Like, you have to go to <laughs> I know. By the time I got home, it was like sunny. I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to put it up as a wash. Um, so do you have to like uh, encourage yourself to get things done during the day, Lucas? It's pretty hard for me to get out of bed. Just if I'm being completely honest, I would say like as a period, like every day. Yeah, and it's not like a mental health thing. It's more like a, it's well, I just love my bed. Um, Fair enough. I love being in it. Uh, It's so comfy, and (laughs) um, I had a feeling like when I started doing comedy full time that that would be kind of the hardest part. Uh, Once I get up, I can sort of seize the day. But I would say. If I'm out of bed before noon, that's like a that's like a red letter day for me. 
Yeah. You, um, I always think it's funny, like, I find it difficult to do like resolutions or like change things because everything you read and everything you see is like, just get up an hour earlier and this is all the things you can do or set an alarm for 7am and get some of that sunshine on you. And it's like, my schedule doesn't make sense for that. I cannot get up at 7am and then go do all the things I need to do in the evening. So like, do you feel very like outside of the normal schedule? because of yeah yeah i feel pretty much alienated from like everybody i've ever known other than comics <laughs> but um yeah you know what i what i realized is if i if i don't sleep i'll get sick the first year i was touring i was like well maybe i'll just like i don't you know need to prioritize sleep and i just got sick and then i was sick on stage a bunch so now it's like sleep has to come first just so i can make all my shows and then after that i'll, I'll try and like live a life <laughs> yeah yeah do you have any like have you been touring long enough to have any like tricks or anything for like making yourself go on stage even if you don't want to like how do you get through that fifth show of the weekend if you are hmm. or you are like not into it i don't know if i have any tricks i mean it's pretty unpleasant sometimes what i'll do is i'll like make a mockery of the show but i don't i'm never proud of myself when i do that like sometimes yeah. i'm like so fed up with it i'll go on and i'll just like go crazy on stage, you know, and just like totally derail the show or like <laughs> do crap. Like the, the, uh, I had a shows in uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut last weekend and you'll never guess, but it turns out it's hard to sell a lot of tickets in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Um, <laughs> so, something about the fact that it's the shittiest place on earth, I guess. But um, basically I was, can we, can I curse on here? Yeah. Yeah, oh, no. go for it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Boobs. No. Um, I, I don't know why that was. That's not even a curse. <laughs> That's your curse. <laughs> That's your curse. You're like a three, a 13-year-old. You're like, boobs. Boobies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you and Joe Coy. Boobies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, then, like, the stool, the stool, like, fell apart like while I was sitting on it and like um, that feels like a really Bridgeport situation yeah I was like yeah I was like as it should honestly I was impressed that they had a stool at all never mind one that seemed to be working at first which of course it wasn't but then I took like the little thing that connects the legs so it's like a piece of wood like this big and I've pretended to like shove it up my ass for like a long time mm. and I, when I got off stage I was like that's not really what they paid to come see. And I was sort of ashamed that yeah. I had done it. But in the moment, I was just trying to find a way to amuse myself. Mm-hmm. And I found that the best way to do that was to basically mock the show mm. that I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's sometimes it's it's hard to like feel dignity in that moment. So you're like, let's all feel bad. Let's yeah. all feel as bad as I feel. You're gonna have to witness me fall apart on stage i i like to call those shows public unravelings Mm -hmm. like this is this is what we're doing and i i joke about it a lot more in the city but like if you go to a show and there's like seven people and you're like sometimes i will just straight up ask them i'll be like do you want me to do material and pretend there's a hundred of you or do you want me to have a public unraveling like i'm fine with either but you guys have to tell me what we like i'll put on a skit i'll pretend that there's a bunch of people here and be like so what do you guys do for like that's fine or i will just tell you everything in my phone and the deepest darkest feelings in my soul and see where that takes us yeah totally well i think it's it is interesting because it can be either Like I did a gig in Fayetteville, Arkansas that was paid for by the school and no one was told to promote it. (laughs) So, but they gave us an eight, one of the most gorgeous 800 seat theaters I've ever seen. Um, And there were six people there. Oh my gosh. And so, so, you know, almost 1% full and, uh, and I had to go on cold and I sort of had like Emily, as you would call it, a, a public unraveling there. But then I had a friend with me and he was like, you know what? I'm going to use this as a test to like just really give a hundred percent for the six people. Yeah. And that night he did like as well as you could pop. Like they had a great time. 
with him. <laughs> with me, they're like, what's this yeah. guy's deal? He's like running around and mocking <laughs> us. And like, but in any case, it sort of reminded me that it can be valuable sometimes to maybe yeah. not treat it like a joke. You were talking about earlier how you don't get out of bed until maybe noon, maybe later. Are you not waking up until then? Or are you waking up at 10 and then taking two hours to like scroll on your phone? Maybe you like pick up a book like or like what's your, you know, are, are you like, I'm awake, let's go, even though it's noon? Or like, what's how does that roll for you? Pick up a book was such a compliment. So, <laughs> so generous. So, so generous. I didn't say that you read it. I just said that you picked it up and went, ooh, look, a book, and then put it right back look. down. <laughs> the idea of me grabbing reading glasses off of my nightstand <laughs> and having a morning coffee while I read a book that taught me something is so far from the reality of the existence I lead that it, it feels um, almost cruel to even bring it up. No, I would say it's like <laughs> 10, 45, 11 wake up and then like about an hour of death scrolling. Nice. Yeah. Perfect. It depends. Like if, you know, I have so much going on on my phone. So sometimes I'm doing work, you know, like sometimes yeah. I'm responding to emails and stuff, which I can work from bed. Like I'm actually quite productive from bed. So sometimes yeah. by the time I actually get up, I, I have done a couple of things that I needed to do or responded to some people I've needed to respond to. And then other times I've, you know, just, yeah, I mean, just melted my brain yeah. just a little more than it already was before I yeah. get up and, you know, take care of my business. And that's the tricky thing about what we do is like your phone is work, but you can also convince yourself anything you're doing on your phone is work. You can be like, well, I need to know what's trending yeah. or I need to know what's like going on. And then you're like, really, I just watched 45 minutes of dog videos and epic fails and gender reveals and now i have to go to like do something get out of yeah bed. but and it's sometimes tricky. like i'll have like if it's if there's like a video that's getting watched a lot of mine it's a little nerve-wracking to pick it up in the morning because i wonder i wonder if maybe like you know it was not well received or there were some sort of consequences for me you mm. know yeah, yeah. It, so I go uh, looking a little. I have a, I have a comedian staying with me right now. She's moving to New York, and she, uh, she's definitely past the time when she should have moved here. Like she's pretty successful for where she was, and she has viral videos and everything like that. And I have yet to be blessed in that way, but now it's in my house, and I just watch her, like, be like, oh, well, that video from a month ago is really popping off, but everyone's worked up about this thing, and there's the stress on her face. I'm like. I know that this is like good, but also it seems very stressful to have no idea how somebody's going to interpret something. And she's like, they're not even listening to the joke. They're upset about one thing in the first five seconds and whatever. And I'm like, yeah, that that tracks. Like, I understand why that's happening, but I don't I don't envy the stress that you're feeling right now about like how much control the Internet has over your life right now. Yeah, it's not awesome. It's uh. It's fine. I mean, it's it's really good and it's really bad. But yeah, like every once in a while, I posted like a filler thing just because it's like one of those things where I'm like, I should just do this because I have enough time in the day. So I'm like, I should edit a video. I should make sure I write. I should get to the gym. I'm like, no comics work hard at all. And I'm no exception. And so I'm like, I owe it to myself to just do the bare minimum, which is like edit something, you know. Uh, write something and then like make my body move so I'm not like totally static and um, so I edited like a filler thing basically just to tell myself I was doing work and it got like a ton of views and it was like a heckler interaction and I didn't show very well in it but I just figured no one would see it it was more like for me to cross things off a to-do list and I yeah. just like I just every day for like three weeks I just got like 20 like alt-right guys from the internet just being like quit comedy and kill yourself and oh boy. <laughs> I thought about it taking it down, but I almost like, I was like, no, no. As like a You will not of, win. <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. like, I'm not pulling it down. I'm not buckling to the Andrew Tate fans who have like decided that I'm like a beta cuck soy boy or whatever the fuck they decided. So yeah. I left How, yeah. Do you find that like any of that matters? Like, have you found that like if you get negative feedback, it actually like has an impact on something down the road um do you mean like with my career or with my performance 
Uh, I meant with your career, but I guess it definitely like, takes an emotional toll, I'm sure. But I guess I meant like with your, do you find like you have less followers or like you maybe you have more followers because people are now like looking at your stuff. You know, I don't know. Like, do you? Yeah. Net, net, it grows. Like anything that gets that many views, is, you're going to grow, um, which mm-hmm. is sort of the other reason to leave it up. Like you'll piss off some people, but you'll still get, if it reaches 5 million people, like you'll get, even if it's thousands, mm-hmm. it'll be thousands of people who are still like, Okay, that you or they watch other videos. Maybe they didn't love that one, but they were ambivalent about that one, and then they watch other ones and they like, you know, because I have ones that I think are good. Not many, yeah. but um, and then <laughs> yeah. uh, and then, but performance wise, it was interesting because basically, like, it was this guy that had just been heckling a bunch, and I had sort of like gone along with it, and then I finally said, I was like, if you do it one more time, I'm going to kick you out, and I had like consolidated the interaction into one minute even though it had happened over the course of the show and I was like doing well and it wasn't the story of the show by any means, but it was just like, he heckled once. I was like, ha ha ha. He heckled the second time. I was like, ha stop. And then the third time I was like, if you do it again, I'm going to kick you out. And everyone was like, a good comic would have like roasted him into silence. Like, like Mm. real comics don't kick people out of shows. I'm like, first of all, you guys are totally uneducated. Real comics kick people out of shows all the time. Every comic kicks people out of shows all the time especially on the road and especially in bigger rooms. But then the next week I had a show and I had this guy that was really, really persistently heckling and I fucking let him stay. <laughs> Cause I think in my head, I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I could fucking roast this guy into submit. So I just, I don't know why. And then after that show, everybody came up to me afterwards who was in the room and was like, I really wish you would kick that guy out. And I realized like, yeah. you know what? Like, I had been listening to the critics of this out of context video, and my instincts in the room are going to be correct most of the time. And, you know, the only, so the only real lesson I learned is like, I'm probably not going to, I try not to post too many heckling stuff, things. They get attention, but it's like not the kind of thing you're trying to promote, you know? It's not what yeah, you're selling yeah. tickets for. So. Yeah, it's interesting because I I feel like I think about it all the time how social media affects stand up, how people's like reaction online affects how they act in the room as far as like trying to get engagement and trying to you know whatever they're doing. But I hadn't really thought about like letting that affect you in the room in that sense of like oh I'm not going to kick somebody out. Like I more just think about it as watching comics go down the wrong path on stage just because they're trying to get the most engagement and like not necessarily skilled comics but just people who are like this will this will get some views and you know thinking you know we're there to serve the room in my mind like stand-ups are there to serve the room and the thing about our careers these days is you have to get fans to get in those rooms and people want to see your numbers so it's kind of a double-edged sword of like how do you build the best social media audience engaging the way you want to and also have enough of an audience to like respect the room and treat the room properly and you know just respect like the craft not to sound so like over the top but it's kind of an interesting thing situation of the times I guess yeah I know well I don't yeah I don't know I mean I never am really thinking about like if something would make a good clip not till at least after the show you know in that yeah. moment, I'm just trying to sort of, you know, speed and honesty. If I'm not doing bits, like if I'm improvising, I just sort of think like, how quickly can I get to the most honest thing I'm thinking? Um, but that was, I think, the first moment where I had to like revisit my behavior. Because when so many people have been like, why didn't you kick that guy out? I was like, why didn't I kick that guy out? And then I was like, you know what? It's because I think it was like in the back of my mind, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's weird because it's like, yeah, he did pay to come see me. I don't want to like burn this bridge, I guess. And like, he right. Was, and he like, came to see you specifically, not, you know, he didn't come to see a showcase show and you happened to be on it. Totally. He bought a ticket for you. So yeah. It's like, so to kick you... like that guy out, it's like, and he's a guy. Gosh, I have so few guys in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, he's a man. I have like one man in here. Otherwise, it's like a sorority. So, is know. it? Yeah. Do you have? Is your you have more of a, f- a female driven fan base? Yeah, I think guys. I think guys typically think it's gay to go see an up and coming comedian, <laughs> and women <laughs> actually support people. 
And don't, yeah. and don't yeah. women are better fans. I mean, women buy tickets and plan to do things. You know, guys will be like, more guys will stop me on the street to be like, oh, I love your shit, but more, but they'll never come to a show. They think it's so huh. gay. They're like, that's so, yeah. so gay. Wow. I never thought wow. about it like yeah. that. I mean, the planning thing makes perfect sense because anytime there's anything that I'm interested in doing, like the, even things I know my husband's a fan of, I'm like, oh, do you want to go see this thing? He's like, I didn't know they were in town. I didn't know I could go to that. I didn't know that was a thing. And I'm like, well, I already bought tickets. So, yeah. you know. And then you can get them out sense. with you. But for a guy, like for like a bro guy to come to my shows of his own volition, he has to do like so many things that he thinks are gay. He has to Google my name. That's gay. You know, what's <laughs> what's to stop him from jerking off to me at that point? He has to then go to my ticket site, is to put in his credit card information and give me money. That's gay to him. And then he has to actually show up. He has to call an Uber to come see me. That's gay. You know, he thinks all that is yeah. gay. He has to admit that he likes something or someone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's pretty gay. Yeah. He has to feel any way about anything. And that thing is not tits or beer. That's very gay. To feel any yeah. way or educate oneself about anything other than breasts or alcohol is very gay. <laughs> yeah. So are you going to Matt Rife it when you get a special? Is <laughs> it going to just be <laughs> No, I, I appreciate who's there. I just want to do uh, comedy that makes sense for me. I don't even – I do understand the uh, instinct to be like, I don't just do crowd work. Because I only put crowd work out because I'm saving all my material for a special and I don't think it's to be ready for another two years, but I want it just to be great. I don't need to be like, see, I don't have to say that. I'm just like, I'm just going to do the jokes that yeah. I wrote. And if they're good enough, the C will be implicit. It won't be like, I won't have to do like a mic drop at the end. Like, <laughs> and I only do crowd work. Huh? Like, I don't have to do that ending, you know, no shade. Yeah. Biggest yeah. comedian in the world. Something's working for him, but you know. <laughs> This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Whether you hydrate to live or live to hydrate, Liquid IV quenches your thirst faster than water alone. With three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients for everyday wellness, all in a single sugar-free stick. Liquid IV is perfect for daily use before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out, or on long flights. Basically, anytime you need a pick-me-up, however you hydrate. Grab your Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier Sugar-Free in bulk nationwide at Costco, or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code WONDERY at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code WONDERY at liquidiv.com. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irvin Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. Yeah, yeah, obviously. That, you know, sure. no shade towards Matt Rife. He's, uh, it's just that that special was dog shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I did not finish it. I will admit that. I did see the clip of him and I obviously heard about him dropping the mic, but I made it about seven minutes in and I was like, I'm good. Yeah. Can't do it. I didn't Not for me. (laughs) Uh, Lucas, where did you grow up? Where are you from? New York City. Born and raised on the playground where you spent most of your days? Manhattan. Wow. That's fun. Uh, Mm -hmm. What? what, Where? Where in Manhattan? 
Upper East Side. Nice. I lived on 93rd and 1st for a while, and then I lived on 83rd and something for a while. Anywhere near that? (laughs) (laughs) Sort of. I was on 67th. Oh, nice. I worked at... I worked at uh, at MSK for a couple of years. Maybe I saw you on the streets. <laughs> oh, at uh, wait, is that Mount Sinai? Memorial, Memorial Sloan Kettering Hospital. Oh yeah, the one on sixty seventh and first. Yeah. I uh, I broke my right hand and my left elbow at the same time playing ice hockey, and I oh. got two casts there. And then also one time I oh jumped no that's a uh, that's New Presbyterian. Yeah, yeah, because MSK is a cancer hospital, so you're probably not going to go there for a broken arm. Walking <laughs> <laughs> in, just like, yeah. No. They're like, do you have cancer in your bones? They're like, then no, you got to leave. <laughs> Get out of here. Please. Scram, kid. So you were playing yeah, ice hockey yeah. as a kid? Yeah, I played ice hockey as a little, a little one. Oh, Turns wow. out my body wasn't meant to withstand it. I think it's because I'm Jewish. <laughs> that's fair uh, yeah. I have this I have a stomach of a Jewish person because I also am Jewish so that's yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how that that's One how way that to get works the stomach out of a Jewish person yeah yeah another way is you know to cut it. okay anyway uh, to cut it out of them yeah I thought of those jokes and I kept them quietly <laughs> to myself it was yeah. just funny how dark a joke that was but how timidly you said it I guess you could like <laughs> cut it out of a joke. I guess you or whatever. Like, yeah, if you were feeling really crazy. Yeah, yeah. if you <laughs> wanted the baby, but it didn't want to have to pay for it. But okay. Anyway, this is taking oh, a turn. Boy. Oh boy! What? Who said that? Uh, so you're Jewish on the Upper East Side. That honestly original. Upper West Side is where I where they're at. So yeah, that's... there's some there's some of them. They're everywhere. You know, they're what ev- I mean? <laughs> we're everywhere. Did uh, did you like growing up in New York? Um, I did. Yeah. New York was cool. It it turned everybody like at best, it made people really mature, really young mm. and thoughtful. At worst, it made people like horrible drug addicts and dead. And, um, I would say like, I was probably somewhere in between those two goalposts, but it didn't make me a drug addict. So it's I feel like impressive. it gave me like a good sense of self. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to do a lot of things at young ages that I think most people don't. Do you think that's like a level of independence, or you were just exposed to stuff, or what? What? What sort of stuff? If you don't, I think it was yeah. I think it was like a level of independence, just like because everything's there. You know what I mean? Like if you live in the suburbs, I guess like when you sneak out, you could sneak out and go to like a bonfire and like burn shit. Yeah. With people. I did a lot of bonfires, a lot of police scanner in the woods type of yeah. shit. And there's only and like, so much trouble you can get into there, and it's also real repetitive. Yeah, and it's the same group of people, right? Yeah. So I guess the only difference would be, like, you could sneak out, and then once you do, you sort of are in New York City. So it's, one, it's easier, because, like, getting around, it was, like, as long as you could, you know, as long as you knew your address, you could call a taxi or get on the subway, basically, and kind of go wherever and then you could go out and, you know, I had like a fake ID at 14 and we would go out to bars and sometimes clubbing as kids, which is crazy. And so yeah. not, well, it was interesting because now I would never go clubbing as like <laughs> someone the age of someone that could. But at the time, I was just like in a club with other like 14 year olds in a space where like, yeah. I don't know what they thought. I mean, we were very clearly 14. <laughs> Did- yeah, the only times I really clubbed when I was in my early 20s, I feel like everyone there was 14 or from New Jersey or both. And I was like, this is, I'm good. I'm good on this. <laughs> yeah. This is not the experience I'm looking for. Did Did you feel like you were uh, like really getting around like your parents or do you think they kind of knew, but they were like, they'll be fine. They'll come home with him and then it'll be all good. Uh, I definitely got caught sneaking out. Yeah. They, they would catch us via the, we had, we had doormen, so they would catch us via the doormen. Um, and, uh, but they were pretty chill. My brother was a little more the rule breaker and I was the middle. So I just like sort of, he loosened the rules up for me and then I just sort of listened to the rules that I had cause they were pretty reasonable. So I didn't get into like too much trouble, but I just sort of 
I just had a fair amount of freedom and independence and yeah, met a lot of, you know, you just meet a lot of more people, I think. Cause it's like, yeah, you're not yeah. in a small town. You're in a, you're literally in a big city. So it's like more access to people. Right. Do you remember ever having a time in your life where the, like you wish you hadn't lived in New York? Like, was there ever like a grass is greener moment or like you're watching a movie and you're like, can I go have a normal quote unquote life? Like, or were you just like, I love New York. Those people are suckers. Like, yeah, more of that. I mean, I went to ski Academy briefly in Switzerland, which was amazing. Um, wow. So that was good. Cause I was like a competitive skier. So I was dope, but we were, you know, we we're terrible, like New York city, rich kids. I mean, like sort of, I'm saying it without saying it, but yeah, like I was obviously grew up really rich and, <laughs> and everyone was around me. And it was like, so we were just like pretentious little douchebags. Like we wouldn't have thought, no, I did not envy like New Jersey. We would have <laughs> thought that, we would have been like, no, ew. Yeah, but we were, probably. you know, I had to unlearn that, you know, cause it's like, you, it's hard to, you know, go to a restaurant in New York city with the types of parents that I'd be around and see someone be like super polite to the waiter. So I had to turn like 18 and wow. be like, go to other places and be like, Oh my God, they've been saying that to the wait staff the whole time. That's not okay. You mm. know? So there's like different things I had to unlearn being like, not, not that I'm entirely not a douchebag, but I picked up some very douchebaggy things that I had to unlearn. But yeah. of those things was thinking that everywhere sucks. So no, I didn't <laughs> envy anyone else. I was like, my life is sick. <laughs> yeah. Did you have that moment like going to college or was it just like a slow evolution in adulthood where you realize like, oh, I need to act a little differently or? I mean, listen, have I worked on myself that much? <laughs> Emily, don't make me say no. But the answer is definitely not a strong <laughs> yes. But um, I would say the the thing that I love most about being a comedian is that everybody's united by a life outlook which is that nothing's serious effectively, but everyone's background is like totally different. I mean, there's a lot of rich kids in comedy. And then there's like a lot of people that are like from super insane, you know, backgrounds and they, they almost do comedy because it's like nothing matters and they have nothing. And so why not just do something that's dumb also? So that's been like the first moment that I think I've experienced any semblance of diversity. But I, you know, grew up in a fancy place and then I went to fancy schools. So I did not right. learn. There's no one ever like sat me down at like my fancy liberal arts college and was like, you're a douchebag. Instead, they were like, welcome. Right. <laughs> you're among friends. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Line up. You're here. Yeah. You made yeah. it. Yeah. You're chosen. You're the best. Yeah. Do you... uh this is gonna come out in a wrong way, but don't take it this way. But do you ever have a hard time explaining how you grew up because you feel like people will think you're coming off a certain way when you're just like telling facts? Um, I know that certain people don't like it. I just have a strong perspective about it. Mm -hmm. My view is like so many rich kids come off like rich kids no matter what. Mm -hmm. So I'd rather just get ahead of it and be honest. Because I know rich people who it's like, you know, when you like go to someone's apartment and it's so nice and they don't even mention it, but you're <laughs> thinking it the whole time. You're like, why is this place so nice? You're like, maybe the elevator opens directly into your apartment. We have to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like this isn't how people live. Or maybe they say something like, oh, it's my parents' place, but I pay them rent, but it's really not my place. It's theirs. And it's like, it doesn't really matter. Like the performative poverty thing. By the way, even if I were a little poor, it's not like I'd be that much less privileged. Like I'm so far from not privileged that I might as well just own it because it's like not even remotely close. Like my life's been so yeah. easy. <laughs> I mean, like I have like fucked up family shit, but like in terms of money and race and all that shit, it's like, so I just, yeah. I'd rather, also, I think it's interesting to talk about because no one talks about it. And I think yeah. the trade-off is you have certain people that hate you or think you're gross or think it's braggadocious but then i'm like I, I got into comedy because i liked the fact that you could be honest about what you were thinking you know right. that's what i liked so it's so interesting to me when i see comedians who are rich and pretending not to be or who are like skirting yeah clearly like obvious personal topics 
where I'm like, well, why do you do this then? Just to be like a little silly. Cause I just feel like if you're going to be self-aware, you got to call out the things that are obvious about you. And it's Mm -hmm. like, if I tell you that I grew up in Manhattan and that it was on the Upper East Side and that the only time I've ever been out of the city is that I went to ski academy in Switzerland. Like, yeah, I could <laughs> leave it at that. But it's like, it's obviously doesn't paint a picture that I like, grew up in a trailer park, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it is very, uh, as a person who grew up without money, I much prefer being outward about it than the people who wear Carhartts to shows and try to talk to me like they get my day job when they've never had one. I'm like, I don't want to do this with you. I don't have time to put this skit on for your benefit, I think. Like, you're trying to be an everyman, and I'm not here to do that for you. I I know. It's interesting. I find most commonly when it pisses people off that I'm honest about it. It's not people who didn't have money. It's other people who do have money who are trying to be dishonest about it. Like people who didn't have money usually appreciate it. I think like, you know, sometimes I've had people who don't have money come up to me and be like, well, can I just have 300 bucks? Like you have money. Can I just have money? Yeah. And I'm like, don't make me say no, because I can afford it, but no, like you can't. No, my, that's yeah, my money. Just be handing out hundreds of dollars all the time. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, I'm like, no, I'm like, how do you think I'm rich? Because I have it, not because you have it. Like, <laughs> but, 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 but mostly, I, you know, I just try to be, I try to be honest about anything, but I just think it's like, you know, if we weren't, if you hadn't asked me where I lived and we were talking about comedy, I don't necessarily have to like, be like oh and by the way you know i don't think it has to yeah, pervade every aspect tell. of my life yeah but yeah, but yeah. i do think it's interesting because if people ask me how i made it as a comic quote unquote made it or like how i got to a place where i could fully support myself doing stand up i would be remiss not to say that much of it had to do with the fact that i had a financial safety net to begin with that allowed me to act in a very like risk forward way because if you don't, if you're not honest about that, then the only people who are honest about like the fact that America isn't a meritocracy is the people who are being hurt by the system versus, I know this, this sounds like really serious right. all of a sudden, but like, no, it, it makes sense. Yeah. I'm just like, why, why you're shortchanging everybody's ability to operate and best the system when half of the people who benefit from it are saying it's a meritocracy, which it isn't. And half of the people who are fucked over by it are saying they're fucked over by it, which they are. And you are only getting half of the truth. Whereas if I sit here and I'm like, yeah, I'll tell you the 10 ways that I got help and it was unfair. Maybe one of those ways could help someone that, you know, didn't even realize you could like use the system that way. Yeah. Right. And maybe they won't go down a delusional path where they're like, I just, I'm never going to be able to do it like he did it. And it's like, sure, but knowing that actually is helpful to be like, put yeah. me over here in this other box and look at people in your comparable situation. And did they find a day job that was less taxing or took less time? Or did they do X, Y, or Z that helped them? Because like, um, in a very different way, I'm able to do, you know, a lot of things comedically because I had a very good day job and now I don't do it as often, but Whenever somebody asks me that I don't know very well, I'm like, I'm going to be candid. I'm in a union. I have good health care. I made good money for 10 years. My husband has a good job. I'm going to go to this festival. Like, I think yeah. just being honest about it, because if you don't, that person is thinking to themselves, well, what did I, did I not go to enough mics? And it's like, yeah. it's not open mics, my friend. It's not. It's yeah. Yeah. 10,000 yeah. other things. Yeah. But, and all yeah. those things are dollars. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but, but I do. Yeah, it's it's also interesting because it's like I don't know. I uh, I I think the only thing that annoys people is like I get offered all this help that's unfair, and I take it. You know, I think there are other people who sort of stand on a high horse about like I'm not going to take any help, and I think those those people can sometimes feel like you know because maybe they are rich, but they're like I didn't accept any money from my parents, and I didn't. But I'm like, no, I'll just take the help that I'm given. I just want to like succeed at the expense of everyone, you know, and I'm okay that other people are starving. <laughs> well, I I'm sorry. This, this is why it looks unlikable. But the point is like, I, I feel like a lot of people who would get offered help take it. But a lot of people who don't get offered help feel like if they were, they'd be able to say no to it when if it were to come to them. 
And as someone who's been offered a lot of help, I've, I realized that as much as it might've been the prideful move to push it away and be like, Oh, get there all on my own. And I'll live in a shitty, you know, I'll live in the bathroom of a, of a bathroom, you know, like I'm just, (laughs) like my apartment's very nice and I didn't pay for it. And I'll just, I'm just going to be honest about that. And I live like a young prince. I live like a boy prince. (laughs) (laughs) Did, was there a point when you like, didn't know how you were growing up and then all of a sudden you did? Like, were you like five, six, just going about your life and all of a sudden you're like seven, eight, nine, you're like, wait a minute, am I different than the people who are living in whatever area or you know what I mean is did you have like everyone was so rich I mean everyone was so rich in New York so it's like I mean I knew we were all rich but I didn't know what poor was like I didn't know no but I I, I mean it though like because how do you know that you're rich if you don't know that there's like less do you know what I mean if we're all the same then you just think that's kind of the norm at what point are you like oh there's other does that make sense yeah I think I I actually I was just talking about this with someone The, the first time I really my parents raised me to believe that they were sort of candid about having money and coming you know but the thing that they told me always was that as soon as I turned 18, I would be totally cut off and I'd be doing my own thing. So the bigger realization was when I realized that was not true. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you are older than 18. Now I'm confused. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that was the realization because that was the first moment where I was like, oh, I, you know, they would allow me to be comfortable forever. Yeah. Even if I didn't, I mean, sure, maybe if I were like a drug addict or I didn't have a job or anything, you know, maybe they, right. it would be different. But given that I was sort of like knew what I wanted to do and had a passion and had a calling, I also had this realization that like I was probably never going to like starve. That was yeah. a crazier moment because that was the first moment that I was like, well, then what's the point of life? Like if there's no wow. stakes, really. If I don't what have is, adversity and if there's no bottom for me to hit, then what am I doing? Yeah. Wow. So that was kind of a fucked up because my like I remember we had this conversation when I was like 24 and my parents basically told us that we'd have some amount of access to money like pretty much forever starting for me. It was going to start when I was 25. So I had like a year. But my brother was 26 during this conversation, and they were like, you have it now. And, <laughs> wow. And after that, my dad said, uh, I remember we went home and we didn't say thank you. And I think my, you know, my parents were kind of hurt by that. Yeah. And I had to come back like a week later and be like, thank you, of course. But I was like, deal. I wasn't sure how to feel about that. Yeah. You know, I didn't because I always thought because then I thought like I'd be kind of cut off when I was 18. And then I was like, well, I guess like in college, you sort of get an allowance like because you're not working, you know. So I was like, oh, so they're just giving me enough to like live in college. And then I was like, but once I have a job, you know, and then I got a job when I was like 22. But I was making so little money that they were giving me like a little more help, you know, helping with the rent. And I was like, well, that's. I was still like, these are kind of like normal, but they'll cut. And then eventually it was like, you're not going to really like, if you need anything, we'll always help. And then I was like, well, then what's the, what, uh, like, what am I doing exactly Mm, here on earth? Like, what is, like, if everything's been pre-decided, yeah. So I didn't really feel in the moment thankful. I felt like really profoundly conflicted about the purpose of existence. And then that sort of translated into gratitude, I think. And it it helped as I found, you know, like as I really pursued stand-up, I realized there was sort of inherent fulfillment in just trying to make an impact at and work hard at a thing that you love and share it with friends and share it with, you know, in our case, like for what we do, audiences. But I mean, yeah, not to get deep, but that was, that was probably the first moment yeah, that I was like, Yeah, I mean, ah. it's, it's good that you 
had a passion because there's so many families like that have that wealth and that's where they end up being drug drug addicts or going into whatever like path or danger or self-harm or whatever it is because they think they probably have similar moments to that where they're just like what am I doing so like thankfully you were like well good thing I really want to do this thing and it just happens to not pay very well but that doesn't matter anymore so here we go yeah but it, it, it also speaks to the point of like of the maybe society that we live in where it's like uh, our fulfillment is based on like income versus like what we can produce right because you were you ultimately you were saying like what's the point if I never have to worry about making money well it's like if nobody made money and we all could just make content or make art or make whatever we wanted to do and now nobody had to worry about it, would we still do it? You know what I mean? Yeah. I think if the world doesn't end in a thousand years, which is probably the most likely outcome, the second most likely outcome is that no one has to have a job in order to eat. If you think about like AI and all this shit, that's yeah. that's going to be the extent to which I describe technological advancement, AI, and all this shit. But <laughs> like, all that Chat GPT is going to take care of it. And we'll yeah, just I mean, yeah. if if the population, if machines could do everything, which I bet they could, if we don't kill ourselves, which we probably will, then it would just be a matter of could machines make enough resources to allocate right. to everybody, and then I guess like. If that were the case, I feel like, yeah, I feel like no one would really have to have a job. But some people would have more than other people. So maybe that's, I don't know. We'd have to hustle in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you had your universal income, are you content with that? Or you still have to be at the top? I mean, that's just an American quality is like hustling and wanting more than other people. So we might be screwed either way. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Um, to, to kind of circle back to like the theme of our podcast alone at lunch, the, like the odd one out, um, when you heard about this show that we wanted to have you on as a guest, was there anything that like spoke to you in terms of your own experiences or anything that has happened to you that you were like, this is the point that I want to talk about in terms of how this relates to me feeling like, and doesn't have to be a negative. It can just feel like in any way that it rings true to you. Well, I think I've had it at various moments. Like, I think the fact that we've talked about, we ended up like talking about my upbringing is relevant to how I've sort of felt alone at lunch, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, when I first joined stand up, it was because I was a rich kid that I felt very out of whack. Because I had like yeah. a fancy education and, you know, comics like, I mean, as I learned, were rich, <laughs> many of them. But it, but what not, that's not what I thought when I started. I thought That's not the was, public persona of most, yeah. Yeah, I thought they were like depressed alcoholic dirtbags. Also true. Um, but uh, so I felt sort of like, I remember when I was starting, I felt really like, especially at Mike's, you know, I just felt like, I don't know who I am to, just any older comic made me feel so insecure, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, older meaning more experienced, not older by age. But like, um, and then almost the opposite happened. Once I feel like, you know, I became fully ingrained in the community and like had my people in comedy and my path and knew that this was like how I wanted to spend my life. I started to feel like all these people I grew up with, like totally didn't understand the path that I was on. And like everyone was like going into private equity with their, you know, 
you know, or, or doing, you know, working for their parents or like whatever, you know, just being like a future rich person of New York, the way that they'd grown up. And I was like, I don't know what I want to be, but it's not going to look like the way I grew up. You know, I want to have a different life with a different community of people than the people, you know, than that, you know, than Jeffrey Epstein and the people on the list you know, right, right. <laughs> also known as like my closest family friends and my, and my dearest alliances. <laughs> so, um, so that, I guess those are the two moments. Now I feel sort of like connected to comedians and almost no one else, which is kind of alienating. Cause I don't really know who I am vis-a-vis like who I've always been up to this point. But I think, yeah. Yeah. No, that I'm is... sorry I haven't been more funny. I feel like I've just been. Oh, it's not a com. It's I mean, it's a comedy podcast because we're hosted by comedians. But uh, it's a, sometimes it most just takes people. Yeah, most people have existential crises at some point. Sometimes it takes <laughs> till the end. Sometimes it's right off the bat. That's that's what we're here for. Yeah, that that's, makes sense because the, the premise of the for. podcast is what makes you feel alone, and everyone's like. Well, I guess. I mean, if you just want to go there. <laughs> yeah, you well, made me think about this and come on this yeah. podcast. And I, honestly, when we started, I thought it was going to be so much more of an upbeat thing because every comic uh, that I talked to when I first was getting into comedy was like, oh, well, all comedians are damaged and all comedians have that one thing that made them a comic. And that's kind of true. But it's also like whatever you think that thing is for that comic they're usually like, like we just had um, Max Higgins on who happens to be trans. We were like, oh, so it's that you're trans. And he was like, no, it's that I'm a fan of the band Fish. Like, that's how <laughs> I feel alone. Yeah. And we're like, OK, we're going to stop telling people why they're alone. Like they, <laughs> yeah. they're going to tell us. But it's it's definitely a journey. Some people are upbeat, but some people are like, oh, you've made me examine my life in the yeah, past yeah, 45 yeah. minutes. So any answers? <laughs> Max, right look answer. at me. It's because you're trans. Now let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to hear about fish man yeah. no that's Shut not the true. fuck it's up great. about fish for five seconds How about <laughs> let us tell you what your trauma is that's what this podcast is <laughs> but yeah that, i hope that's a, a sufficient answer i don't know that's no, i feel like that's the answer, answer says, you know? that's a good answer no i'd like yeah. that it took a journey of like First, you were alone in one spot, and then that spot became more homey than if the the original homey became a different. Like, do you find that your friends and family like uh, treat you differently, or like, or, or is it like when you go back and you're all you know at the slopes, you're all just back to you know being the normal whatever? <laughs> did you say <laughs> did the I, slope? Did I say that right? Yeah, when you're at, when you're saying, yeah, <laughs> and that price. Did I do this like, right? Oh, as we cheers over a glass of champagne <laughs> on the mountainside, um, yeah. As I've you bring never in the felt new more year. alone because they don't understand jokes. No, uh, yeah, no. I my family's very supportive, very supportive, and sort of always has been. They're like a Jewish entertainment family, so it's kind of like me being an entertainer is like definitely above board. I do find when I go back into spaces, you know that are much more of the community from where I came. It's like, it's just a lot of repetitive questions about stand up, which I'm sure, you know, yeah. you guys are not unfamiliar to. Yeah. And, yeah. and, but it's like that, that thing. And then doing the script where you just like answer all the questions. I feel like that feels isolating. Cause it's almost like you, you're not, maybe they feel like that you're connecting with them, but I never feel like I'm connecting with anyone when I give them the fucking, like, yeah, yeah, oh, I know. Yeah, no, it's every night, you know, like that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like, yeah. yeah, I go to, yeah. Uh, what's the worst city? Oh, my God, Bridgeport, you know, or it's like, <laughs> like, so, like, I do feel sort of that can be alienating. But I think what's helped me is trying to not, you know, maybe ask people about them. Ugh, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the worst. It's, it's no fun, but. I call it crowd work in real life, but um, some people call it. You just ask them covers. right before you jump out of the helicopter to ski down the mountain. You're just like, yeah, but what's good with you? And then just leap out. Yeah. And <laughs> See you at the bottom, old yeah. dog. I did have a friend once that tried to tell me that her boyfriend wasn't rich, which I did not even bring up. I do not care if this man is rich, but she just like was very defensive about it. And she was like, he's only been hella skiing like three times. And I was like, <laughs> I need you to know that anyone who has hella skied is not in my tax bracket. Like that's just not, yeah. that's not a thing. That's on the order of what's the, what's that? 
Do you know what I'm talking about? The order of needs hierarchy. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Maslow skiing is not. Yeah, yeah, a lot, yeah, yeah, yeah a Maslow's hierarchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That whole thing like got to be a, somewhere after finding yourself. Like yeah. once you've found yourself <laughs> and you've you've been fed the whole time, that's when you're like, I should go to Revelstoke, you know. But um, wow. yeah, no, I, I I do find there's so much defensiveness because that's how my mom would be too. She'd be like, you know, I just want you to know we're not rich. And I'm like, if you even have to say it, yes, we are. Like no no homeless people are like, I'm not rich. It's like, yeah, we know. Yeah. We know you didn't have to say it. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I think anyone that tells you they're not rich is like, yeah, uh, I would be suspicious. You're doing fine. Yeah. 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 Sleeping through the uh, night. <laughs> well, we've kind of come to the end. So we want to make sure we get to our very important segment, uh, which is where we want to know, Lucas, where do you like to literally eat alone at lunch? Ooh. Is it a private jet? <laughs> <laughs> yes. On a private jet. Um, the catering is to die for. No, uh, I would say, where do I, oh, I have a, so I have a cafe. I can't disclose. Can I, I don't want to say Yeah, no need. You don't have to. You don't have to. Because it's a sacred place for me, but it's a cafe near my house and I go every single morning and I get, I don't eat. I get a gigantic cold brew because I have a constipation problem, but (laughs) but a constip, I should say a former constipation problem. Thanks to the incredible strength of this cold brew. (laughs) And I write jokes there. And it's, there's so many hot people in there and I just surround Ooh, myself with hot perfect. people and it feels so good. I think it's, I might have like emotional problems now that I've heard that come out of my mouth. <laughs> like it's, that's what I need every morning, every morning. So that's where I go. I, I, I would call it more brunch, but alone that's at fine. brunch. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll take it at bro lunch. Um, <laughs> well, thank you, Lucas. This has been uh, so fun. We want to now give you the time to promote what you've got going on shows, handles, anything you want to throw out there. Uh, and it is the beginning of February, 2024. <laughs> okay. Beginning of Feb, 2024. I am coming to Minneapolis, Minnesota. Ooh, I'm coming to Edmonton, Alberta. I said February. Whoa. Where can wow. I die of of hypothermia and then i picked all yeah, those that's places. gonna be chilly third week florida orlando gainesville miami and tampa um nice. but uh all my tour dates can be found at lucaselnick.com come see me live there i'm lucaselnick on all the socials as well amazing amazing well thank you so much again and for everyone listening thank you so much and goodbye 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 I'm so glad that we got to talk to Lucas. He actually was on the show because uh, some people over at Morbid saw him live and enjoyed him and said, he's a comedian. You guys are comedians. You guys should chat. So I'm really glad that they made this happen and we got to talk to Lucas. We love being a part of the Morbid Network. And so we were happy that they put that connection together for us. And I, I, you know what? It's interesting. Like I... I do have trouble like talking about money. Like that's often a thing that I have difficulty talking about. And um, I, I find it great that he was so open to talk about just like, you know, where he has come from and his background. And I, you know, it's just like, sometimes it's, you know, just how we were brought up and we can't, it's not something something that we need to be like ashamed of or anything that's different. And um, I think, there's such like a stigma around money and finances and I, you know, it was great to have an open conversation. Yeah. I was, I was glad that we could just be open and honest and have a good chat. I did not tell him about my other podcast, eat the rich. <laughs> honestly, I don't know if his dad has enough money for us to eat him, but I, uh, I was glad that we got to talk to Lucas. I'm just kidding. I'm sure his dad is fine, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Let let's get into the recommendations because we actually both kind of had the same ones right off the bat right after we stopped talking to Lucas and they kind of just have to do with wealth and privilege and and that sort of thing. But 
The first one right off the bat, I can't stop talking about it. It is Saltburn. And if you need one more person to tell you to watch Saltburn, then we are those people. Um, it is definitely not for everybody, so I don't want to definitely watch it, but it's it. not for everybody. So don't watch don't, it if you're that somebody. Well, don't watch it with your mom. <laughs> yeah, don't watch it with a parent or a neighbor or a, or a teacher. Young kid. You have to be a child. Yeah, you have to be yeah. right in the right age range, and also. <laughs> Yeah, I I think it's I don't think it's quite as crazy and weird as some people on the Internet are making it seem. I think it's just kind of a movie that has some uh, dark edges and some funny, interesting scenes and some weird stuff going on. But there is just kind of a person, a normal uh, middle class person who is at a prep school. He's at Oxford, not prep school. He's at Oxford and um, meeting a family with like extreme wealth and privilege and, and the interactions there. And a lot of people, I, I could talk about this movie for hours. Cause a lot of people say that it's kind of a commentary on, you know, eating the rich or whatever, but I don't really think that's what it's about, but I can't really get into that without spoiling some stuff. But, you know, if you want to be part of the, the conversation that's going on, get out there, watch Saltburn. It's on prime. Go check it out. Go check it out. Another uh, film that we, right off the bat, we're thinking of uh, that we both recommend uh, is the beautiful, sweet movie called The Holdovers. So lovely. Yeah. So lovely. That one is definitely more up the anyone alley. <laughs> yes. Although I will say there's a lot of emotion. It's not a light film. No, it's not I mean, light. Yeah. The preview kind of makes it seem like it's a little lighter than it is. I think it's it's got some heavy stuff going on. Yeah. Maybe now that the holidays are over it would be less uh, of a heavy thing, like family emotion wise. It's not a light watch. So I'm not sure. Tra- it's not like, you know, that crazy. Yeah. Thing. But again, it's about not- a all boys boarding school and a lot about wealth. And um, it, ultimately what happens is it's like, there's just a break of some sort and most people leave, but some of the students are not able to leave. So they uh, end up staying over at the school. And then one student is kind of left on his own to stay at the school with a teacher and it's about the relationship. And it does, it comments on race and money and mental health. And there's a lot of pieces to it, but it, it's like I feel like a combination of like Mr. Holland's opus meets uh I don't know, something sweet. Dead poet, <laughs> Dead poet Society. society. Yeah. 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 The relationship between a teacher and a student. I think it's also a good commentation commentary on like the main character child has everything he needs in the world financially, but obviously he still has a lot of going on emotionally. And I think sometimes we Forget that in society when we want to uh, pick people to shit on. It's, you know, straight white men with money, but he still is a very sweet uh, child and school. And he's just trying to figure out his family relations and his place in the world, etc. So, yeah, both of those movies for very different reasons were right off the bat recommended when we got off the phone. Yeah, right away. (laughs) And then one book I've been telling Emily about that I don't know if I love, but it I think it is also a big commentary (laughs) on uh, boarding school and money is a movie, a movie, a book called Prep by Curtis Sittenfield, uh, certain Sittenfeld. And it's again about uh, a boarding school, but it's from the point of view of a, a girl at the school who is on scholarship. And it's just about her take on her experience not coming from wealth, being in a wealthy environment. And I personally did not like the protagonist. I I was not rooting for her. So I would love to hear your feedback on if you agree on my take on the book. Um, Sometimes the recommendations are, you know, just things that we find interesting, but are not necessarily (laughs) like things that we would go back to. But I, I think it's a good discussion piece. And so... Would love to have a discussion. Email us, uh, write us on Instagram, message us, whatever you want to do to let us know what you think. Um, you know, we're talking, we're talking rich people today, and so we want to hear what you think about that. So, uh, thank you so much for listening. Yeah, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for always being such delightful, lovely listeners. And please reach out to us with more people you want us to talk to. Alone at lunch at Gmail. Rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. All those good things. And we will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, everybody. And you can find me, Emily, at The Funny Walsh on all of the platforms. And I'm Carly J. Montag on all of the platforms as well. You can find the podcast at Alone at Lunch Pod on Twitter and Instagram. 
And please email us anything you'd like to tell us at alone at lunch at gmail.com. And if you have a second, please rate, review, subscribe, and tell a friend about the podcast. See you next week. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Alone at Lunch early and ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen early and ad free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. If you're listening to this podcast, then chances are good you are a fan of The Strange, Dark and Mysterious. And if that's true, then you're in luck. Because, once again, Mr. Ballin Podcast, Strange, Dark, and Mysterious Stories is available everywhere you get your podcasts. Each week on the Mr. Ballin Podcast, you'll hear new stories about inexplicable encounters, shocking disappearances, true crime cases, and everything in between. Like our recent episode titled White Dust. After a middle-aged couple fail to answer their daughter's messages and calls, the daughter drives the few hours to her parents' house to check on them, But after arriving and seeing both her parents' cars in the driveway, the daughter gets an uneasy feeling and just can't stomach going inside. To hear the rest of that story and hear hundreds more stories like it, follow Mr. Ballin Podcast on Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcasts. Prime members can listen early and ad-free on Amazon Music.